My sister-in-law, Corinne, has been married to my brother, Ted, for almost 27 years now. And a couple of years before they married, Ted did what all of my married brothers had done before him. He brought her to a family weekend. And as was the case, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but every one of my sisters-in-law swears this is what happened. They were thrown into the deep end and expected to swim on their own. I guess the idea was if you can't stand a weekend with these people, you're not going to make it for a lifetime. So as the weekend was underway, at one point Ted came to her and asked her how everything was going, and and she said, well, I'm a little confused because I have more names than people. And he said, well, you know, they started going through, and she's like, so she would point to someone and say, you know, so that's Tim, that's Mary, and then pointed to me, and, and that's Keith, right? Yes. And then she referred to a nickname that about half of my family and most of my nephews and nieces still call me. And she said, who's that? And Ted pointed to me. It's a nickname, he said. Well, where did it come from? It's a long story. And she said, okay, and who's Steve? And Ted pointed to me. She's like, why do you call him Steve? He said, I don't know, but I do. My nicknames, and to this day, Ted still calls me Steve, speak to my relationship with my family. They're not anything that any of us ever sat down and said, you know, you need a nickname and you look like a Steve, so that's what I'm going to call you. They formed organically over the course of our relationships. And many of you who are in a, in a married relationship or in a close relationship with a member of the opposite sex, you may have pet names for one another. My sister and her husband call each other Pud. And some people, you know, Honey or, or Sweetheart or Schmoopy or something like that. And again, these are names that, that speak to the intimacy of that relationship. And they're not just names that someone comes along and, and is invited to speak right away. You have to sort of come to know the person. You know, it's the old, oh yeah, my name is is Keith, but you can call me Steve. (laughs) So our, our names mean something. And so when Jesus encounters Simon today, he looks at him and he does something extraordinary. This is his first meeting with him. And he says, you're Simon, you're, you're the son of John. From now on, you're going to be Peter. Because Jesus has seen something. And even though his name is Simon, his relationship with Christ is going to be unique and different. And this doesn't happen a lot in Scripture. It only happens a couple of times. And in fact, the other times it happens, it's God himself who does it. Abram, God says, you, from now on, you're, you're going to be Abraham. And Jacob, from now on, you're going to be Israel. And so when Jesus does this, not only did he say something about his relationship with Peter, he says something about he himself. And then he says something about each and every one of us and our relationship with him. Because in the book of Revelation, in John's second chapter of Revelation, in the letter or in the, in the message that um, he's told to write to the church at Pergamum, Jesus tells him, among other things, to him who conquers, 
I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, and the stone which no one knows except him who receives it. God intends for everyone who overcomes the troubles of this world and who enters into their eternal life to have a unique relationship with him, a relationship so unique that he is going to give each and every one of us a name by which we and we alone will be called and which will be known only to the individual and to God. Reflecting that unique relationship that God seeks with each and every one of us. But one of the things that we need to be able to do is to hear when that name is called. And not just once we're given the stone with the new name, but already here on earth. Eli today is asleep when Samuel comes up to him and says, you called me. Samuel heard his name. Three times he hears his name. And three times he thinks it's Eli because he doesn't know any better. And finally, Eli explains to him, oh, that's not me, that's God who's calling you. Leave me alone, I'm trying to get some sleep. When God calls you, this is what you are to do. And God calls each and every one of us daily. But you know, there's so much noise. The world, we used to say the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm going to throw in the iPhone in there as well. These things that grab our attention and try and pull us away so that we can't have a deep, warm, and intimate relationship with God. And so that he can't give us the name by which only we will be called. The name that is so unique because the relationship he seeks for us and with us is unique. The name which is different for everyone because we are all different and our relationships with God while communal are also individual because God is a personal God and he may want to call someone in here Steve or Keith or something else entirely different only time will tell but now we need to start training the ears of our heart to hear that. And so my challenge for everyone here is to escape to silence every day. 10, 15 minutes. It's not a lot, but it's necessary. Because if we can't hear the voice of God now, then we cannot hear him when he calls us home. And if we do not hear him speaking our name to us now, how will we recognize it when he gives us a new name that is just ours for our eternal, personal, and unique relationship with him?